Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200. It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 368 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm talking this week with the creators of The Freeze from Top Cow. And it's one of my favorite books that's out right now. It's written by Dan Wickline. And the art is by Philip Seavey, who's been on this podcast before. It's a really interesting character story with lots and lots and lots of interesting sci-fi elements going on. And it gives the two a chance to explore a lot of interesting things that go on in society today, as well as things that have happened in the past and what might happen in the future. The basic storyline focuses on a character who is working on a computer at an office and suddenly stands up and realizes that nobody else is moving but him. That leads to lots of other interesting circumstances. And once again, I have to say, if you're not getting the freeze, you really should be. It's from Top Cow, and it's just one of those great books. Issue 3 has just come out, and it's one of the best books that's out today. So be sure to check with your store about that. We also talk about other projects they're working on, as well as how to follow them on social media. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what they have to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode. So let's get on with the show. Great to welcome back to the podcast, Philip Seavey, and to welcome Dan Wickline, the creators of a wonderful book from Top Cow called The Freeze. And you guys have a name for folks that are, what, Freezers? Is that what you call I'm trying to remember what the, nickname, the name is for the people who are fans of the book. All right. Yeah, here it is. It's Freezers, all right. Faithful Freezers. That's what it is. There we go. Faithful Freezers. I like that. <laughs> so, very Stanley. Yes, very much. Very much so. I... Uh, Dan, of course, you're the writer, and Philip, you're the artist on this. Now, Philip, I've talked to you before about mm-hmm. your work, which I really love, and I think that uh, this is a great combination because, as I was mentioning to you when we first started emailing about this book, uh, Philip, I just I was so taken by the first issue, and then the second issue came out, and it knocked me out of my chair. I mean, not only do we have the stuff of the first issue going on, but now we've got something else going on on the second issue. <laughs> and when this posts the third issue, which I appreciate you've given me the chance to, to look at, it, it's just an amazing book. I just, you know, I, every time I think I know where you guys are going to go, I don't know where you guys are going to go. And, you know, <laughs> for somebody who's read comics as long as I have, this is just like a, a, a true pleasure. You know, because many times I think, oh, okay, here's where Superman, 
you know, gets away from the kryptonite and all this kind of stuff. But your stuff, I, wow. I mean, what, what, Dan, why don't I start with you and ask about the story? I mean, did you and Philip work together? Was this a story you had on your own? How did this happen? Um, I actually came up with the story quite a long time ago. I mean, I'd say 10, 15 years ago, I had the original idea. Um, I, I actually pitched it to two other companies, and it just it wasn't the right timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got an opportunity to uh, show the idea to Matt Hawkins, who, you know, I, I think I gave it to him on a Saturday and Monday. He was, you know, letting me know that he wanted to do it and uh, take a look at this guy Phil's artwork to see if he'll work. And it's like, yeah. So <laughs> it was just, you know, it's finally the right place, right time for the story. But it's been bouncing around my head for a very long time. Well, cause, you know, I talked to Philip at a con. I'm trying to remember, was it New York? Which con was it that uh, you started to tell me about this book? And I was like, oh, I've got to keep up with this thing. And so when it came out, I was I, I really desperately read it. And I said, man, this is great. But like I said, the, the second issue, even, wow. I mean, did you, Dan, and we'll talk to Philip in a minute here, but Dan, did you have the directions that were going I mean, you know, the first issue, I, I mean, we can probably talk about the first issue pretty much now because it's been out for a while. But the, <laughs> the first issue, what, what, why don't you describe what happens? Maybe better let you describe than me try to do it. Well, I mean, the pitch for the book is pretty much the first issue, which is uh, you have an everyday average guy. He's not a hero. He just lives his life. And he goes to work one day and he's under a desk plugging a power strip in and when he comes back out, he realizes the person he's talking to isn't moving. They're they're frozen in place, mm-hmm. and he immediately kind of you know freaks out a little and goes out in the hallway to find someone to get some help and finds that everybody is frozen. Mm-hmm. So he finds his way over to the main glass window and looks out to the streets of Los Angeles below, where cars have crashed. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there's fires and just utter chaos. Yet nobody down there is moving, and he. He comes across the realization that the entire world is frozen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he accidentally bumps into one of his coworkers and touches him skin to skin, and that person wakes up. Yeah, wow. So then he goes about the process of waking people up, as as you put it. In the third book, we know there's over a hundred that have been yes. brought, and they pick and choose which ones they want based on the skills they have. As far as things go, so uh, well, Philip, I got to ask you at this point, what was your reaction when you got to see the pitch for this? Um, I was pretty excited. I mean, like like Dan was saying, I got brought in super early. Um, I didn't even realize how early it was. I was like, "This sounds great. Send me the first script." And I reached out to Dan, and Dan was like, "I pitched this like two days ago." <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was really fun to be in on the ground floor. And then Dan spent the next couple of weeks getting the script together and reworking certain areas with Matt, getting it to in top shape. And then when I got it, I was really excited to to see what I could dig in and what what I could do with it from from uh, our artistic standpoint because mm-hmm. you know philip I, I, you're a great writer too so oh, thank you because you know i've read your that sideways book that you did and that always escapes mm-hmm. my name that escapes me the name of it but that was paradox paradox that that's right that was a great yeah. one i love that book and Thanks. i just hate that i can't remember but so i'm glad that you guys work together on i mean do you give input to dan on occasion do you kind of say well maybe we got to go this way I mean, you know, because sometimes if you have two sets of eyes looking at something, you might figure something that one set doesn't see. That doesn't make it bad. Do you, yeah, no, I, I mean, Dan can speak probably from his point of view. I know when I when I come onto a project as an artist, because I write as well, 
I have to, you know, this is the first time Dan and I were working together. So it was a little bit like, all right, what feedback does he want? And and usually as I'm an artist, I look at it from like a visual standpoint, like what can I bring or what visually works really well in the script or what could we maybe change a little bit so it visually work more. Um, and I was, you know, I was really excited. Like you mentioned the second issue, how it blew you away. And mm-hmm. I remember receiving it after I finished the first issue. And there were multiple times I chuckled out loud. And that's usually a good sign for me because that means I'm excited for there was a, a couple of certain scenes in that book that really jumped out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to draw this. And then there was moments in issue three and four and, and so on. Um, so there was always um, really fun things to draw. And then I had a few suggestions here and there along the way about maybe we could place this scene here instead of there, or, you know, just changing things around to try and find, um, from my artistic standpoint, like what would be the coolest way for this to look? What's the most effective way that I could, um, bring a little bit to the, to the story. Mm-hmm. It's really great. Now, before we leave the first issue, I got to ask Dan, your book is one of those books that actually has a person of color as the lead person. Which, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm always excited when I see that because I, I we can read about white guys every day of the week and then <laughs> some if we want. But you've got a, a person of color, a black individual who's the the guy that was that was underneath the, the desk and stuff. Did that make a difference? I mean, was that on purpose? I, I'm just trying to figure, did it make any difference as far as the story goes to make him a person of color? Um, I didn't set out necessarily with that in mind one way or the other when phil and i got a chance to talk two of the things that he we talked about one was the i had a note in the original book or the original uh pitch that i wanted the first script to feel claustrophobic Mm -hmm. and phil came back and said can i do a nine panel grid Mm -hmm. i'm like on which page he's like all of them (laughs) like sure so you're insane (laughs) okay Yeah, mm-hmm. and and that I think is still one of the best decisions made on the book, and that's all Phil. But you know, and so I afterwards I went back and I tweaked the dialogue to make it work. But you know, so Phil and I immediately started collaborating because that's what a comic is. It's a collaboration. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. It should never be the writer demands down from on high and then the artist draws. I mean, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It should be a collaboration, and that's what we did immediately. Um, another thing that Phil. Suggested was we're in LA. Can we have as a diverse cast as possible? And I had already thought about going with a person of color in the lead, but this kind of sparked me. I went, okay, let's try to mix it up as much as possible all the way through the book because it's true. I live in LA, and you know everybody's here. It is the ultimate melting pot, you know, L.A. and New York. So if you're going to set something in in one of those two cities, it should be as diverse as possible. So when I sat down and I wrote out the, you know, every every issue when there's a new character in the front, I give a description of the character and I I have an actor suggestion just as a hint. And uh, um, I've been going through and trying to make it as diverse as possible and then. You know, Phil comes in and does his magic, and we get Ray and Lisa, and and I think it's great. Then there's other characters that, if they're not in the front of the book, they can be whatever Phil wants them to be. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have an incredible cast of characters in this book, and a lot of it is because of Phil. Mm. Well, I have to say, I mean, the first book blew me away, and then I got the second book, 
you know, I uh, the second book, you know, the, the the mystery of the first book is what happened. How did this hmm. take place? You know, how did this guy be the only guy that we know of? I mean, I'm a much of a comic reader to think that maybe he's not the only one, you know, that that can do that. But but you know, in the setting we understand it now is he is, and hmm. so he's. When we get to the second book, the second book, something really fascinating happens. And since that's been out a while, maybe we can talk about it. The, uh, as we said, there was like 100, over 100 people that have been touched and, and brought back to, to moving life. But then suddenly we discover one of them has been killed. And you know, it's interesting because they've been very careful choosing who they want to bring back. And now all of a sudden one of them is, is dead. And that means one of the people that's going around has killed him. And so, you know, Dan, talk about that to me, because, you know, I thought the mystery in the first issue was going to hold the, the whole series. But then we get the second issue, we get a, a big murder mystery hitting. You know, I mean, my gosh, you know, you, you wouldn't, didn't want these people around. You wouldn't have brought them back. So talk about that. Talk about the, the, the pivot in the second issue. Okay, well, I, I always look at it this way. Whenever you have something like a catastrophe movie or a survival movie and stuff, you know, the, the question's always, well, what happened? What caused it? Mm-hmm. But the people who are actually in the scenario, the odds are they may never find out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like in The Walking Dead. What caused, uh, you know, the, uh, the zombie outbreak? Mm-hmm. You've got a cop and a cop. I mean, these are just normal people. These aren't scientists. These are just everyday people who may never figure it out. Mm-hmm. So to me, the overall story of what caused the freeze, that's important, mm-hmm. but it's as what's to me is almost more important is what do you do once that happens? And that's the story I'm focused on mm-hmm. is, I mean, we'll, we'll lay out what happened, but how do you rebuild society? What are the go- caveats? Mm-hmm. And, Picking and choosing who is going to be in that society is a huge question as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, we live our lives so open now on on social media, mm-hmm. except are we really those people? Are we mm-hmm. really what we display? We can't, you know, we can't assume that just because, you know, oh, they're a nice person or, or they're a troll, mm-hmm. that's a real person. And, mm-hmm. that's, and, and, and that's kind of where I wanted to hit on with this is that if you sat there and decided on who should live and who should die based on their social media profiles, mm. you have no idea what you're getting. Because mm-hmm. there's a story where Patton Oswalt, he disagreed politically with some guy, but he was in trouble, the other guy was, and so he ended up like supporting this guy, giving him money or something. Or I don't know all the yeah. details of it. But the thing of it is, is, is you know, just because this guy nagged or bothered Patton Oswalt, if he could have just very easily said, get away from me and, and, you know, unfriend him or whatever he had to do to get rid of him. But instead, you know, here it's turned this different way. I mean, it, the reason why that story stands out is because that's very unlike the way we do things now. We tend to, if somebody bothers us, we, we get rid of them as far as digital stuff goes. And I think that's a lot of that, you know, it, in the freeze, we get to see a lot of these kinds of things going on, you know, about people interacting and who are they really? And just because they have a certain appearance to them, or maybe there's certain skills they have, that doesn't necessarily mean they're good people. Right. 
so or really, necessarily bad people. I mean, yeah. you, you, you don't see the real the reality of people mm-hmm. through what they're they are online. I love that. This just this book just speaks volumes to me. We we'll get to issue three and men here, but Philip, when you got to the second issue, as far as like diversity and stuff like that, as as Dan's pointing out, you're picking up the uh, making it a diverse comic in the terms of who the people are. Are you mm-hmm. are you picking people you know? Are these I don't know influenced by TV? How do you choose somebody's? I mean, that, that, how do you choose that? How do you decide who you're going to make different races and stuff like that? Sure, yeah. I mean, Dan had had mentioned this a little bit, but I'll talk a little bit more. At the beginning of each script, he will detail, here are all the new characters we're introducing. Because like you had mentioned a little bit earlier, we get a, a gigantically sprawling cast. There's over 100 people wake, woken up by issue two. Um, so Dan will highlight specific ones. Um, and then within there, early on, he asked me like, you know, do you want any type of reference um, when when I'm talking about a character? And I actually like to cast my characters as actors when I draw them just because it gives me a base of reference to use and something to go back to mm-hmm. um, for consistency. So early on, I, I, I told him, like, that would be really helpful. So with each issue, the main characters that are introduced, he will he will say, all right, you know, this character, uh, you can model him after this actor or actress. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go through and I'll compile a whole bunch of reference photos and I'll do a character design sheet. I think we have had some of those in the back of the issues so far, mm-hmm. um, but I've, I've got roughly like 10 or 15 characters um, that we that I specifically designed ahead of time. And then beyond that, yeah, then it's just kind of looking at. Uh, what's the makeup right now? Like, who is in this scene? And, you know, and, and does this feel representational of, of a, the melting pot of L.A.? Um, so it, there's not beyond the, the, the really helpful suggestion Dan gives me um, that as far as smaller characters go, it's just kind of like, all right, well, what what seems like would work in this situation? Am, am I representing reality enough? And that's that's been one of the fun things about the book and one of the big challenges is everything takes place in real world LA within you know the fictional um, setup of the freeze so I've done a lot more reference and photo research and and all sorts of things than I would in a book like Tomb Raider or Paradox because all of these things take place in specific locations sometimes Dan will even be like it's the LA fitness off Pasadena or something like he will specifically say which one which is helpful because then I can hop on Google Maps and go see what the building looks like and what around it is going on and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing to me. The whole business is just, you know, I, I, I got to go back to one thing, though. I got to, I still want to know how this happened. How did this one person <laughs> working on the computers, how did he possibly end up the only one? And see, I still question whether he's the only one. I, I really do. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, you know, I've read enough comics in my day to say, hey, they're making it set up. Maybe it's not that way. But I don't expect you're going to spoil anything with that. But I'm just giving you my suggestion. I'd love to know how this is going to go. Now, i got to ask you, Dan, though. This is a miniseries, right? Um, well, the idea is that we're doing four issues and you're going to see if it, you know, how it does. And hopefully we'll get to do more. And that's, you know, we're – so that's what we're looking at now. I mean, the, the idea is to do a bigger series. Mm-hmm. Keep going, keep going because I want to know what happened. I don't know how this possibly came about, because I, I mean, that, honestly, that just threw me. When I read the second issue, my, my head spun around. I was like, what? 
You know, there's another story besides the main story going on here. Of course, now, now I got to know everything. I'm like, I'm like the Riddler was in that one Batman the animated series. I got to know, you know, kind of stuff. Well, I, I, I'm going to shock your world a little more. There's actually three stories going on. Oh no! Because <laughs> the uh, the, en- the ending of the ending of, in issue two, mm-hmm. there's two things that happened. Oh really? Well, it's been out a while. Yeah. Can you elaborate? Tell us what the two things were. Uh, the girl in the boots. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh boy. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. I thought I was picking up everything. I didn't even get that. Okay. I gotta go back and reread that one because that's such a good book. But I think we uh, we explore that idea a little bit more in issue three and then issue four. So obviously right. we're not going to talk about issue four at this point. But right. yeah, there's more than meets the eye to what we saw in issue two. Right. Because yeah. at, at this point, when this <clears throat> podcast interview airs or posts issue three has, has already come out so we yeah. can talk a little bit about issue three which we're recording this a little before that so we're going to be a little nervous about that i think because you know we don't want to spoil stuff i don't well, want anybody to anybody yeah. who picked up issue three should take the comic with them to any comic conventions because <laughs> phil has actually drawn a bunch of comic <laughs> creators on the cover really because <laughs> i'm looking at the cover right now and i'm going who are they? Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I won't do it now because we don't have the visuals. People can't really look at it. But I'm yeah. gonna have to. Next one, I, next time I see you guys at a convention, I'm gonna have to take that with me so I can find out who is who. Cause... And then we can send you around to all the creators there and have them sign <laughs> the book. That's right. That's right. Now, okay, because so, you guys are. I, I do want to say one thing before you get to issue three, and I mentioned this to sure. you guys before. I love the top cow line i mean the freeze just blew me away right off the bat i love zach's books about uh, eclipse and port of earth those kind of books i am really looking at top cow very seriously because this is not by chance you guys are putting out really quality storytelling and when i find that in particularly like in two or three series i want to follow that that line for a while at least and just keep going because man i hope this book goes on forever because i am so enjoying it it's such a wonderful book. I hope it sells well enough that we just keep going and going, and all the mysteries that you have in mind are going to come to pass. Because, boy, they're Yeah, you fun. and me both. <laughs> <laughs> if you're checking out the Top Cow stuff, you should also be checking out the stuff from Matt Hawkins, who mm-hmm. is doing some amazing sci-fi work over there. Also, there's uh, the, the series Infinite Dark by Ryan Cady. Yeah, I, I, I missed that one. A, I've got to be oh, able to get Definitely this. worth picking up. Now, which yeah. one does Matt do? What, what, what series does he do? Matt has been doing a lot of series. Okay. Um, he does Symmetry, uh, Think Tank, uh, The Tithe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he does a lot of books over there. He's also the president of the company and the guy that oh. does all the decision-making. Oh. But um, he's got his own little universe of characters over there, and they're all just brilliantly written. Think Tank is probably my favorite. It's um, all about this genius who works at a think tank making weapons and him deciding it's not what he really wants in the world. And, you know, and, you know, and, and Matt, Matt, who um, has a degree in physics uh, is, you know, brings real world stuff. And so everything he puts in there is the cutting edge of technology or are things that really exist. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it is pure sci-fi genius there. Oh man, I got to look at that. Oh man. You know, the, the top cow books are, it feels well thought out. You know, sometimes I, I read books, and i got to be honest with you, I just feel like it's just stumbling along. You know, it's like driving someplace. You could wander around on the roads, 
and you may get somewhere eventually, but it's not any place you ever thought about going. But if you are, if you're going on a specific purpose, you have to get to certain places. You have to get to certain places. And what you guys are doing, it's clear that you guys know where you're going. To me, and that always makes for fun read. I mean, the New Teen Titans was my favorite of that. Uh, Wolfman and Perez just did. You knew they were going somewhere. You could feel it, but I had no idea where. <laughs> you know, that's what was the half, the, half the fun was to, to read the book and find out where they really wanted to go. And with your book, I have that same feeling. I have this, this feeling of we're in a car and we're going someplace and you know what you're doing so we can trust you to get to a place that's going to be a great place to stop at the end of the issue. Yeah, oh, good. But, I'm, but, I'm glad. But we're going to stop and check out the world's largest ball of twine and stuff on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love the book, and, I, and I, again, I want to put a push in for the freeze. If you have, haven't seen it yet, now I want to talk about issue three because it just came out as of this podcast. And you take another little twist. You, you know, you talked about that character, and she shows up in issue three. You know, mm-hmm. As I'm looking at it, I, I see her in there. Dan, why don't you talk about the character, as to who she is and what what kind of things she might do for the series? Uh, oh well, actually, what I was uh, in issue two, there is reference to um, somebody having gone missing, mm-hmm. and she's referred to as the girl in the cute boots. Right. And um, it's just a throwaway, or it seems like a throwaway, mm-hmm. or you might think the big surprise at the end of the issue is that, and right. it's not. Right. It's on page nine that they the the other the one lady is looking for the girl with the really cute boots. Right. Yeah. So you're following yeah. up on this book. So uh, is that that's well, of course, you know, if people start to vanish, you know, you have to wonder, is that related to the death that we've seen? Is this just coming from the same thing or is this another mystery? Going that, on? That's part of what we got to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I love a book that'll, that'll keep pulling me along and saying, keep reading, keep reading something good's going on here. And that's yeah, what this I mean, book does. I, I always uh, liken it back to. Uh, I, I like to write in a similar way to um, uh, J.K. Rollins. Mm. If you sit down, you start reading the Harry Potter books, and you're 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 on the train with Harry as he goes to Hogwarts the first time, mm-hmm. and Ron tries to turn his his rat yellow, and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, because Ron's a bad wizard. Mm-hmm. And if you find out six books later. It's not because of that. It's because it's not a rat. It's Peter Pettigrew mm-hmm. who's been hiding as Ron's rat since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that's a little tiny thread that she laid down mm-hmm. in the very beginning of the first book that pays off six novels later. Mm. You know, so mm-hmm. that's that's something I like to do is I like to try to just put a little thread out here. We'll come back to that later. So we need to pay, <laughs> we need to pay attention, in other words. Absolutely. Okay, I love that. Those are my favorite things. I, I love TV shows that make me pay attention. You know, I love those kinds of things. But I, I want to get to. I, I'm sure we're gonna. You're gonna take us into the mystery with the re- girl with the really cute boots. But the thing that fascinated me the most about the issue is we get to a, a religious group of people. Yes. And their, their take on what's going on is kind of fascinating. And, is this kind of, are you commenting on religious groups that we come into today? Is this kind of I'm sure you don't want to name names or anything like that, but are you kind of focusing on what happens in these kind of circumstances as far as religious people go? Um, 
actually I'm more focused on what religion is supposed to be. Mm. Religion, well, religion is two things. Mm-hmm. There's spirituality and there's religion. And spirituality is somebody who doesn't understand and they, they give the explanation to being God. Mm-hmm. And mankind has done that since as far back as you can go. Before the Bible, there was Greek mythology, there was mm-hmm. Roman, Norse mythology. That's what it is. It's that man going, I don't understand why there's a giant ball of fire in the sky for a while and then it goes away. Well, I'm going to come up with a story about gods and a chariot going across the sky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how man explains the things that they don't understand. And that is what spirituality or belief in gods has always been. Mm -hmm. Then the religious aspect comes in, which is people of power using that Mm -hmm. to control the masses. Mm -hmm. So I'm not necessarily having a a take on religion, because to me religion is just, again, it's it's almost like a government system or a political system to control people. Um, Wow, that that might get a few letters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't have a problem with people being religious. I, um, so in my mind, it's there are people who are going to see the event of the freeze and try to figure out how it fits into their own belief system. Right. And if they believe strongly in a god, they're going to uh, uh, equate it to being a miracle because mm-hmm. it is what they believe. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's mm-hmm. just so – and I could see a group of people who have similar thoughts coming together. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. are we going to see these people again? Because you spend a little time with them. This isn't the end of seeing those that group of folks, is it? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Because I figured no. you, you'd invested some time with them. I had to figure they were going to come back. So yeah. uh, it's, I like that you're, you know, this hundred group of hundred people plus, you're, you're dividing them into different sorts of groups, you know, which is which would happen. Sociology and psychology. You're in the sociology part right now as far as that goes. Yes. Yeah. Which is exactly. great stuff. Which is great stuff. Now, I, there's a big surprise, and if you haven't read the book, you don't want to listen to this. But there's a huge surprise where after they meet the religious group, they go to a truck. It's in a parking lot, and let's just say, when they open the truck, uh, our main character decides it's time to vomit. <laughs> I love that it was hurl was the sound effect. I thought that was a great time for that. But uh, do you want to talk about what that is? I mean. I hate to spoil it in a sense. I want people to be able to, to get it and read it, but it's really a pivotal part of the story. Should we wait? Yeah, because, well, just put it this way. What we find out at the end of issue two, it was our chance to turn it up to 11 mm. in issue three. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that, that it's not just a little issue. It's a very big issue at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we want we get to the end and I am not going to spoil the end. Let's just say that it's a it's one of those endings that makes you sure to get the next issue because I'm just very surprised as what goes on there. So, just a, a really well done book. I have to say I am guessing all the time and sometimes I get it right and a lot of times I don't. And I love a book that can fool me. I love a book that does those kinds of things. So The the Freeze, to me, is just one of those great books out right now. It's one of the best books on the stands, in my opinion. And that's why I hope it just keeps going, because, you know, issue three just blew me away. And, well, i got to ask, because you've got a four-issue story arc. Are they going to trade at that point? Yes. Okay. Uh, The trade will be out in April. It's uh, in the current uh, catalog now. Okay. Or in the February previews, yeah. 
do you know whether things are going to progress at this point or we haven't hit that part yet? We'll know that sometime soon. Um, I haven't had a chance to talk to Top Cow yet and see okay. what they want to do. Okay. I'm hoping to do that in the next few days. Okay. So I, I know our numbers have been pretty good. Good. So good, fingers crossed. Well, I mean, you've got, you know, the story is really well done. The art, and, and one of the things in issue three, that page we, ha- we haven't spoiled, you spend <laughs> a little time, Phil, talking about how you put that page together. Which I have to uh, say, he killed, a, he, he killed a lot of people and threw them in a trap. <laughs> <laughs> With the end of each issue, um, we've been doing just back matter things where we talk. You know, Dan's talked about you know a lot of like where the stories come from and other development. And as we are putting that together, um, we uh, he's enjoyed. I, I post on my Twitter and Instagram sometimes uh, some of the reference shots that I take for the different pages and panels. Um, and Dan was like, we should do a back matter where you, you talk about this. So we took four or five pages in the back of issue three to talk about how I put um, the, our big page together because mm-hmm. it was it was such a, yeah, in, in the script, especially, you know, Dan, it's very brief what he describes. <laughs> you don't need a lot of the description. That's and right. he says, you know, like, he says, go all out. Like, this is our money shot for the issue. So mm-hmm. I, I went all out. I, mm-hmm. I had a, it's my favorite page of the issue. So mm-hmm. it was a, it was a difficult one to do as far as how much time it took and all the work put into it. But I, I, I'm really proud of how it came out. I think it's a good, a good shocker there. It was a jaw dropper for me when I turned <laughs> when I got to that page, my jaw dropped, and I went, "Holy smoke!" And that's why I actually, you know, enjoy considering what was going on, which was distracting enough. When I got to see how you put the page together, I enjoyed that. I oh, good. That was a great good, thing. I'd like to know how how you make things happen sometimes is important you know because you know i used to watch uh star trek deep space nine which was my favorite star trek and oftentimes i had a bunch of friends and we would all sit and watch it multiple times to see how they did what they did and that's what i like about this one this shows that page and how you put that together and what's going of course now i got to find out what the heck's going on here and uh, you know I, I said to phil when we were talking i said i don't know how you're going to wrap all this up in four issues and so I, I don't imagine you are going to wrap it up in four issues. <laughs> I have a feeling you guys have got many, many more stories to go, and I hope that four issues is just the, the tip of the iceberg for this good thing. Yeah, we, well, you get a resolution on at least part of it. Okay. So. Okay, very good, very good. Well, you know, uh, there's some books that never get resolution. I mean, the X-Men go on for centuries, and there's never a resolution. <laughs> It's nice to have some resolution every once in a while, you know. So I'm I'm happy to hear that. I'm going to be fascinated. I still want to know how this happened. I still want to, someday I'm going to want to know that. But uh, the story is so good and it's so gripping and things that are happening, I just have to pay attention and I love something that makes me pay attention. So the freeze, it's from Image slash Top Cow. I don't know how you exactly identify that, but under anything under Top Cow right now, I'm going to go out and get the ones you suggested and I'm going to keep my eye out for Top Cow. Because when the stuff that you guys are making, I mean, Freeze and like I mentioned, the other books from Zach, those are really thoughtful, uh, great reading books. You know, the story is great. The art is terrific. I just, and I don't know what you're going to do. And that, I've been reading comics for decades, and I've gotten good at guessing <laughs> what's, what's going to come next. So when I don't know, when they turned around and looked inside that truck, I was stunned. <laughs> secret is that I don't know what's going to happen next, and I'm oh. just making it up as I go along. So. <laughs> you don't have a five-year arc. 
you don't have a GMS five-year arc all set. See, I, I think things like that limit you. I think you should tell the story because you never know. You might write the thing, and then you see something Phil draws, and in your head it takes the story a different direction. Oh, absolutely. Things so, like that happen. Oh, because it, yeah. it's, it's a great book. It's one of my favorite books out right now, and I just – I'm just dying to know what's going to happen next. I just got to know. I can't wait for issue four. I'm really excited for people to see issue four. I think, you know, Dan and I talked a lot about how to wrap it up. Um, And not necessarily me as like, hey, write it this way, but Mm -hmm. making sure that we hit enough conclusions to give a satisfaction to the reader, but to also open up enough questions to keep people wanting more. And I think Dan did a great job. Um, in in balancing the two of those, so that will be out the first week of March. So just oh just almost a month away. Oh boy! And oh. and and everybody should know that where the climax takes place is totally Phil's fault. <laughs> <laughs> he specifically said, "Hey, I'd like to draw this," and I went, "Okay." <laughs> I think I think I could phrase it more as like I think this will visually look cool because as I started to draw it I was like this is not a fun place to draw but at least it looks cool so oh, wow. Oh, wow it's like people draw machines and he was tired of grocery stores <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah after issue two I uh, I sent Dan a message I was like can I please not draw any more grocery stores or convenience <laughs> stores because those are so time consuming and difficult yeah. gotta write all that little draw all that little stuff all the little things on the shelves and it's like yes sir people, people say they don't like to draw machines because they have to be proportionally exactly right and you know with people you you have a little give and take but as far as like like a robot or something or a, a, a toaster oven or something like that it all has to look the way it does in reality and that takes a little more time to get all that stuff done but you never yeah, i would what? never know it because i have to tell you i saw the grocery store and it looked great for me i oh good i loved it i didn't think anything that man he really had to work on this one or something like that it just propelled the story right along so this is just great stuff now of course how do we follow we'll start out with with, with you phil we talked once before but as far as like social media goes or, or projects do you have any this is probably going to keep you busy for a while i mean at least i hope so uh, <laughs> are there other projects you're working on that we should know about um, yeah, so I wrapped um, drawing the freeze uh, about a month ago, a couple, uh, three weeks ago, something. Okay. I, I spent the better part of a year drawing these four issues. This really? is the first time outside of Paradox that I actually colored myself. And Paradox has a very unique abstracted coloring style. This is the first time I was able to color myself in a little bit more of a traditional way. Hmm. Um, so the first issue took me two or three times longer than I had anticipated hmm. with a combination of all the stuff we did, plus the nine panel grids, plus... Hmm. Um, coloring myself. So, you know, by the time I got to the third and fourth fourth issue, I felt in a better groove. Mm. Um, but I wrapped that up. Right now I'm working on a creator-owned book mm. um, that I'm I'm writing and drawing, actually. Mm. Um, okay. And it'll be published, it'll be published later this fall um, while we're waiting. You know, I'm working on it right now and waiting to hear kind of what the, the future of the freeze is. But I can't say... Um, what it is or what the publisher is quite yet, but it'll be announced um, late spring, early summer. Okay. Um, so that that's a project I'll be writing and penciling and inking and coloring oh, wow. myself. Wow. So, wow, you better get a head start on that. Sounds like, wow, that's going to keep Yeah, I started writing it four or five months ago in between pages of the freeze. So it's been a... <laughs> I'm always working on one and a half things at least just to keep me going. <laughs> uh, but you can follow me um, like on, on social media. I'm on Twitter at Philip CV. 
Mm-hmm. On Facebook and Instagram, I'm Philip CV Comic Art. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I just have a website, just philipcv.com. There's not really a blog there, but it's got links to my other stuff. It's got uh, a store where you can buy copies of like the Paradox or House mm-hmm. or Original Art or anything I have that's not like regularly available at a comic book store. I really love the Paradox. Let me put a quick uh, push in for that because I really I thought that was one of those great creative books that doesn't do what you expect. So I love oh, that. Thank you. That was a great book. Okay. So, and by the way, CV is S E V Y. We should make sure people Correct. know that. Yes. Right? Yep. I hate for people to put an A in there or something like that. We won't want that. <laughs> All right, Dan, your turn. Are, are you working on writers have it easier than artists in that sense? Are, are you working on other stuff as well? There are other projects that, that we should be aware um, of? Yeah. I've, uh, sadly, I can't. None of them are announced yet. Okay. But uh, I'm working on a novel and a graph. What's going to be a graphic novel and another series, but none of them have been announced yet. Okay. But if fans want to take a look at something else, I do. Um, there's a series of novels I've written based on a character named Lucius Fogg, mm-hmm. which are available on Amazon. And I'm about to release uh, the first one on Audible, mm. so if people like to listen to novels. It's a 1950s noir detective series, kind of an urban fantasy thing. Mm-hmm. set in a, It's a detective story set in a New York where the supernatural exists. Mm. And so if, you, if you're into like the Dresden Files and those mm. kind of books, mm-hmm. this is uh, right up your alley. Mm. So again, the, the Lucius Fogg series. Are you reading and it? I'm gonna be- it's an audio book. Are you reading it? I am not. I thought about it and was <laughs> leaning towards it, and then I met a gentleman at uh, when I was up at the San Jose convention, mm-hmm. an artist that I was sitting next to. He said that he also did audio books, and I oh. went, "Really? So let me, you know, here, here, take this, read a chapter, and let me know, you know, let's hear it." And he just did an amazing job. So mm. he's recording it. A guy named uh, Cody Purcell. Okay. So uh, uh, he's probably three quarters of the way through. So hopefully uh-huh. we'll have that up in the next couple months. And uh, the first book's called Deadly Creatures. Okay. Okay. Now you were mentioning something else before I cut you off. What? what are there other things you're working on? Uh, no, that's that's well. That's like I said, I yeah, I'm I'm hoping to have some big announcements pretty quick. Okay. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter is at Dan Wickline. I have my own website, danwickline.com. Uh, anywhere on social media, it's just my name. Is mm-hmm. so you can find me at just about anywhere. And of course, it's W I C K L I N E. I don't want to. Right. You don't have W Y C K or anything like that. You've got no, that. no, no. Other things <laughs> like that. So we got to make sure people know how to, how to find you because we don't do that. But like I said, the freeze is, is just one of those great books that man. When I came across it, I just was like, as I as I told Phil when I wrote to him, I said, "Wow!" I said, "This book is," and I remembered him suggesting it. And I said, man, you were right to suggest that. I'm going to listen to you when you suggest things in the future. I'm going to listen <laughs> well, to you. This is good because it's a really good book. And, Dan, it's a pleasure to meet you. And I, I hope you guys get to do a lot of the freeze. I really do because, man, it has got me gripped. I, I, I don't know what you got in mind next. And I'm grateful you haven't spoiled anything because I want to read the book. I don't want to find out uh, if I spoil Even though it's Majorspoilers.com, I don't want to be spoiled. <laughs> I like to be teased, but I don't want to be spoiled. But, yeah, this book is one of those books. If you have not gotten the freeze yet, get to your store and tell them that you want it. And if you haven't gotten the issues and they're sold out, be sure that they get the trade for you because it's going to be great stuff. And it's just going to, it's going to blow your mind away just like it did with me. And so... It's just a great book, and Dan and Philip, and keep it up. And and once this is done, I hope you guys get to do other things too, because I think this is a great collaboration too. 
Oh, thank you. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. That's a wrap for this episode. Be sure to be back next week when I'll have another interview with a great comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.